Hey, hey, welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Chan, and I want to say thank you for joining me today. On the show, we explore the fascinating world of human performance and what it means to perform at your best. I chat with experts, athletes, and people like you and me about their experience of pursuing greatness and their best tips, tools, and strategies in discovering their extraordinary potential. And this is another Fringe Edition special episode, which I'm so excited to bring you. Obviously, the Fringe has come to an end now, but it was an incredible season. I think they made history with selling over a million tickets, which is just incredible. So I truly hope that all the artists felt the the financial reward, the um, the incredible excitement and support of audiences too. So I truly hope it's been a fringe to remember for all involved. And today on the show, I chat with the first ever foot juggler to come out of New Zealand and the only Western artist to perform Chinese-style foot juggling. Her name is Emma Phillips. And she is extraordinary. She's just finished the Adelaide Fringe season performing a new show, The Party with Strutton Fret, where she has left audiences in awe of her incredible talent and impeccable timing. She makes it look so easy juggling multiple umbrellas and a table on her feet. And if you think that's hard enough because it really bloody well is she then goes on to juggle with her hands whilst juggling with her feet it's just insane it's completely mesmerizing and the show is so much fun it was such a delight to watch so if you missed out that's real bad luck but I think they're performing in Newcastle so if you can get over there check it out it's just so much fun Emma is such an incredible performer with the most incredible story. Emma spent over two and a half years training at two of the most prestigious schools in China where she was taught the traditional art of foot juggling. Her recount of this experience is dark and lonely, but what shines through is her incredible strength, resilience, determination, and her commitment to herself and her craft. She has a remarkable sense of what is meant to be for her and has listened to her intuition her whole life. And it shows because she's just doing incredible things. Emma's dedication to her craft is truly inspiring and I can't wait for you to hear her story. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Emma Phillips. Emma, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Welcome to the Body Sport Better Podcast. Yes. So happy to be here. I um, I mean, we've had some pretty epic conversations whilst you're <laughs> on the table. <laughs> like, I have to get her on the podcast because I just find what you do so fascinating. Oh. You're a foot juggler and that's, I mean, you, you hear of juggling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> foot juggling and I've watched some of your videos on your website and you're also an aerialist and I just find it so incredible that you can just be so incredible at so many things <laughs> so before we dive deep into all of that mm-hmm. tell us firstly the party 
How is the show going? Uh, the party is a fun time. Um, you'll see it in yeah, tomorrow night. Like, yeah. Excited? Um, the party is just fun. Like we're not trying to do anything deep and crazy. We're just having fun. And it's it's really like that's pretty transparent on stage, you know, like it's just a great energy. It's a good time. Brilliant. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so tell us, how did you get into what you do into circus? Would you say it's circus that this is for you? It is. I do always struggle with saying circus mm. um, just because I feel like on this side of the world it has such a weird connotation. People immediately go to clowns and animals. Sure, yeah. So I, I really... Yeah, it is circus, um, but, yeah, it is a strange one to sort of, yeah. But um, so I was, um, I started in dance um, originally. I was like, I think I was three when I started. Um, I was just obsessed. My sister was put in um, to, like, help with her shyness, and I was the three-year-old, like, at the door of the studio, like, let me in. <laughs> yeah, so I got into dance, um, and I was just obsessed. Like, that was, like, my life. That was my, like, everything. Like, it was, like, full-on love, full-on, like, everything. Um, so that was, like, my entire childhood and teenage years revolved around dance and being on stage and, yeah, I was not the best. <laughs> I was not particularly even good, yeah. but I was just like my entire heart was invested. Like, so how did then you evolve into performing and, and juggling <laughs> aerial and all of that? Um, so it was it was a pretty difficult sort of um, transition to find the right pathway um, because yeah, I sort of finished up dance. Um, I ended up having some pretty bad. Um, problems with my hips because I was forcing turnout as you know my shallow hip sockets so I was forcing and I had no strength I I didn't have very um good technical training so my body was just really really um in bad shape pretty much I had no strength with anything what I was doing so I was just relying on being flexible but like everything was really a mess so I had to stop ballet um just because it was like I couldn't walk I was ruining my hips um and then I sort of just had this like absolute like you know <laughs> not a midlife crisis a very early on life crisis where you know I was like my identity was a dancer and then I suddenly couldn't it came it was suddenly like you're not going to ever be a dancer like you know like that realization came you know you always dreamed that's what you're going to do then it was like no face reality like you're not you're not you don't have the body type you don't look like a dancer and you have none of the technique or, you know, like you're never going to, this is not realistic. Um, so that was like pretty horrific. Um, and looking back now, of course, there was no knowledge of mental health or anything there, but I'm like, oh, that screwed me up a lot. Like um, with, with body dysmorphia and all of that stuff all sort of like wrapped nicely into that little package. Um, and then in kind of like, as I was just like completely lost, um, my dad took me to Cirque du Soleil. So when I was 15 and that was the first time I'd really seen circus like that, like circus had never been a part of my life. Um, I grew up in a small town in New Zealand and just don't have it. I think maybe there was like a really crappy touring circus that was just rough, like, but you never saw it um, in dance. There wasn't the acrobatics like there is now. 
So I was like doing, I would like go on Google and print out photos and like try stuff like. Oh, wow. Because I'd be like, I was quite flexible and I'd want to try the stuff, but we didn't have any of the resources. So, so you I would essentially teach yourself. Yeah, I was trying to teach myself. It was so bad. <laughs> Do not recommend. <laughs> but like that was my research because, you know, it's so different now, social media and everything. But we just didn't have the resources. I didn't see anything else. No one was doing it. So then when I saw Cirque du Soleil, it was like, hang on a sec. It was like a marriage of two worlds, like dance and performance. And I'd always been told my flexibility was a bad thing, that I was too like unstable and I was loose and I couldn't, you know, like it was never a good thing. Um, and then I saw these performers with this amazing flexibility, but using it in different ways. And then it was like, you know, like it was so much more creative than just, um, you know, just doing ballet or just doing dance. Cause it was like acrobatics and the music and the costumes and the makeup and the character work. Like, yeah, it was just that like literally just like not cheesy as hell, but like lit a flame. Like, yeah. Yeah. And how did you then pursue that found <laughs> love? So once again, with the absolute lack of internet, um, I found in uh, one of like the women's magazines, you know, like weekly magazines in New Zealand, they did an article on Cirque du Soleil and they put at the bottom of it, like, if you want to run away to the circus, New Zealand has a circus school. And I was like, right, use my mom's email. <laughs> Emailed them and she gets an email back and is like, why is a circus school emailing me? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, like, sort of started a conversation with um, Circo Arts, which was a circus school in New Zealand. Um, and, yeah, then I sort of decided in my last year of high school that that's what I was going to do. I was going to go become a circus artist. Um, but it did not work out how I planned. No? <laughs> yeah, I thought I was, like, I was dreaming. I always wanted to go to, a, like, a full-time, you know, ballet school. And I really I really um, craved the, the discipline of it, you know? Like, I wanted to be in, like, an environment where I'm, like, you know, you wake up, you go to class, you know? You're, like, just, like, living to do this thing. Yeah. So I was really hoping for that and like, oh, it's going to be really serious. I'm going to be like training hard. And it just wasn't. It's it's a New Ze- a very sm- small New Zealand school that um, doesn't exist anymore um, because of the earthquakes in Christchurch. Oh but it's it's just the school's more focused towards street performance. Um, yeah, pr- pretty much just that really. You didn't learn. I was there two years and I didn't learn a single name of a of a, a big international show or a European variety or any of that sort of so it's just very different. It's just not, wasn't tailored to what I wanted to do. Um, and I did have to try out little, you know, you had to try out everything, but the the physical conditioning was really, really, um, it was horrific there actually. They, they just gave you no training. They just put you straight up onto things. So I was this dancer with shoulders that couldn't stay in my sockets, put up onto a rope and, you know, popping shoulders and things all falling out. And so, it was not a it was not a good introduction to circus at all. Um, you know, it was just like oh I couldn't hold scapular in place. I couldn't I couldn't engage my core. I could do nothing. And then I was just put on these things and would just get so injured. Um, so it just it was not really, you know, there was other circus schools in the world that would do like two months just of conditioning. And as boring as that is, that prepares you physically exactly. as an athlete, whereas none of this was preparing you as an athlete. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, it's sometimes I, f- I would find it frustrating thinking I like lost two years sort of going to that school. But then also I think um, it gave me, you know, it taught me certain lessons and it's like, you know, you, you can't just like jumpstart your future and be like, go straight from like 
zero to like exactly where you want to go. Like you've got to trudge through mud. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, that sort of taught me some incredibly sort of like tough lessons. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up working in a traditional circus in New Zealand afterwards, which was um, an experience. Um, and once again, just sort of showed me exactly where I didn't want to be. And I, I was, um, didn't have a lot of respect or anything like that there. So I kind of learned that if I ever wanted to be respected as a person or as an artist, that I needed to have more skills, you know? So what skills did you have? Very basic. Like just the fact that I had the dance background made me able to fluff so much because I could do, you know, I did an aerial act that had like barely a trick in it, but I made a costume and I had the music and I did the fluff and the same, I did this little baby. <laughs> so for people who don't know what fluff is, oh, are we talking like I would be like, yeah, just doing like so many different types of splits, which were like easy. <laughs> You're sitting on a hoop and I'd just be like, oh, there we go. There's, and the audience are like, oh, another split. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I couldn't even do a pull-up onto the hoop. Like, <laughs> um, And I did a comedy contortion act, actually. <laughs> Things I used to do. Um, but I used my, like, background as a dancer to really get through that sort of, like, I could make an act that was very wholesome. You know, when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, very basic. But, yeah, it definitely, like, it really just taught me that I yeah, if I wanted to be where I wanted to be and I wanted to work in Europe, um, that I had to have skills to back it up. So when you're, like, during that entire period, did you know at the time, you know, they're throwing you up on hoops or whatever? Or yeah. Hoops, and you're like, this isn't, this isn't good. I need a proper foundation. Like, did you no. know that? At, you didn't. No. So I just thought it was time, me. Like, oh, really? yeah, because just some of the training and the the language used and the, yeah, it was very um, shaming. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so it was more just that I was bad and I was useless and I was overweight and I was, you know, like, so it was more that. So I was just like, oh, gosh, I must be awful. Instead of someone going like, so to engage this, you really just need to focus on this, 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 you know, like yeah, stepping you through something, especially when you've never hung on something in your life and you're, you know, like hanging out of your shoulder joints. Um, but of course I didn't know that. So I just took it all on. I was very, very young. I was only 17 and some of the other people in the school were in their late thirties or forties. So it was a time. <laughs> So, what happens next? so then yeah once again I was sort of like wow this is not what I was hoping mm. when I was dreaming of, of you know being a performer um so while I was in a in this circus and I was really like I don't ever want to have to be doing this you know this is not this is not the dream this is not good for me um I did a lot of research and I uh wasn't good enough to get into any circus school in the world there's a circus school in Australia called NICA and I auditioned twice after being in, in the New Zealand school for two years and I still couldn't get in um because I was just I couldn't do anything you know like and it was just a basic audition of you know push-ups and climbing the ropes and doing things and I still couldn't do any of that um because I just had so many injuries and I just you know was didn't have a proper training or base at all um, so that was pretty crushing when I didn't get into NICA. Um, and so then I found out through whispers, just random, you know, you just hear people mentioning that you could go to China. Um, and then I 
when that was sort of being talked about, um, I saw Dralian, um, which is a Cirque du Soleil show, and there's a Chinese foot juggler who juggles umbrellas. And I remember just watching that and it was just like my heart, like because I hadn't found something in circus that I loved yet. You know, like I hadn't found my thing. I wanted to do aerials, but I just did not have the strength or the body type for aerials. You know, I wanted to do contortion, but they didn't train it at the school I was at. And, and I was also had no strength, so I would have just been broken. Um, but I saw that and I was just like, I could never. You know, like I could never do something like that. That is so technical and so difficult. Um, yeah, so that sort of really ignited ignited something in me then. Um, and then, yeah, I found out, I just, I mean, it was so hard in those days. I think that must have been in 2010. So, you know, trying to email China. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. I managed to, and I sent this whole video, and then I get this letter, this official letter in Chinese with the official stamp, and I could go and get my visa. Whoa. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I'm going to China for five months. <laughs> Tell us more about that because, I mean, that blows my mind are you the only New Zealander or you know Westerner there so what what's that whole the first school I went to is called the Beijing International Art School um it's one of the most prestigious uh schools in China so they have faculties in uh ballet and classical Chinese dance calligraphy music um martial arts and acrobatics so they have these you know like segments of the school it's this massive massive school um so they are it's, it's very very prestigious you know children are selected from all around the country to go there um so when I went there the first time they had um about 10 foreigners there um and these foreigners were you know from there's some from Australia and America and Canada and France and they were all incredibly talented they actually pretty much all of them ended up in Cirque du Soleil afterwards you know they were that good and the teachers really focused on the students um you had a lot of time with your teacher um a lot of focus um and so for that first it was just five months that I was there um it was a really good introduction I was training contortion at that stage as well so I was doing contortion and foot juggling um and especially for foot juggling to start with umbrellas, you need a teacher by your side constantly. You can't practice it by yourself. Your teacher is there standing, holding an umbrella for hours. Really? Yeah, you can you cannot practice without someone. So it's really hands-on. Just because the balance is extremely difficult, um, you can't balance it without help. Like it just would, you're just, you can't even put it up there. It just falls off your feet straight away. So you literally are just there for hours with your teacher just holding the umbrella and just going like, right. And so what is that teaching you? Just how to manage? The fine, it's really fine motor skills because it's a really strange thing of of the umbrella um, balance. You you can make it look so easy, but it's so specific. It literally sits on this little pad of your foot and you're pointing your foot, but you're relaxing your toes, but using your toes to control. And you're like the smallest amount from your ankle joint. And then you have to be, you have to really focus on where in your hip it's coming from that you're not using your knees at all. Um, So it's really just like, it's so different to like 
anything else that you just, you know, and it, it just feels so unnatural at the start. So it's just hours and hours and hours and hours of repetition and just learning. And I would start, I think it took probably like weeks before I would balance it for like a few seconds by myself. And you'd start in a wider stance and then you'd go down and down. And so I came out of that five months being able to do barely nothing. Really? Oh God, it was so basic. Like I could just get it on my feet and maybe do like a half a turn to the other side and then maybe balance it on the handle. Like basic, absolute foundations. So then five months goes by and that's all you can do. Then Yeah. And you're like, oh, I, pay- I came to China. I thought I'd be like, tick. <laughs> I'm, I'm it now. But the Chinese um, also always say with umbrellas that it's seven years before you're on stage. Whoa. How long did it take you? Well, I mean, okay, we, I did go on stage after five months and it was the worst performance of my life. I am completely embarrassed myself. Um, we all learned from that. Though, exactly. Right? I did. Um, it was actually horrific. Um but it also made it horrific. Um, I literally froze on stage and could not do anything. I I just couldn't. I was unable to juggle anything. Um, and then I made myself nervous and I freaked out and I just couldn't do anything. And then I was actually pretty verbally abused by an ex-boss afterwards publicly. <laughs> so um, it was like a double whammy, um, but it actually kind of needed to happen because I came back from China and was a little bit arrogant and was like, I've been to China. Like, yeah. you know, even though wow. I could do nothing, I'd been to China and I was not training. Like, And so when he sort of like had an absolute go at me, he pointed out some pretty honest things. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I was just like, you know, you, you don't put in any effort, you don't train, like, who you think you are, like, you think you're going to become someone, like, you're going to be no, you know, like, you put nothing in, like, you're so entitled, you know, like, so it was, it was awful, but it was also, like, necessary. it was true, yeah. I didn't train, and so how like, did you take that in the moment, oh, horrifically, okay, absolutely horrifically, it was just brutal, and because I'd already just embarrassed myself in yeah. front of everyone, yeah. um, it was definitely one of those performances that you have those nightmare ones, you know, where you're like, you're literally on stage and you're like, I've forgotten how to do anything, yeah. anything. And the music just keeps going and you're like, <laughs> like I think my umbrella got caught in some fairy lights at one stage. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, I'm now destroying the stage. Like, <gasps> it was so bad. So then what happens? Like you decide to go back? So that. Um, I actually broke my foot. Thank <laughs> you. So yeah. on top of all of that. Yeah, I broke my foot. Yeah. And so I was, um, yeah, that was pretty unfortunate. Um, and then it didn't heal properly because I didn't, I got lost in the hospital system. Um, and so, yeah, that was pretty tough. That was pretty tough um, to just to get by. And um, yeah, so I was in, a, and again, in a pretty dark place, um, you know, and you're like, how am I ever going to, you know, I've got this dream that is so ridiculous everyone's telling me that like I'm never gonna make it that I'm just like you know just like give up on that you know like you're a joke go get a job in retail um and I you know I was just like oh I feel like I haven't really I I can't give up now like and I had I had a partner in New Zealand and I was like I must have been 21 and you know I had yeah had the boyfriend and had the you know was flatting with him and all that I'm like you know you just you your life you see it I could stay and I could do that and I could teach some circus maybe, you know, teach some community circus, maybe do a little gig at a a bar or an event, you know, like, but I was just like, there was just this thing inside me that was like, that's not my life. Like, 
that's not that you listened to that it was hard it was hard and because especially there was not really a lot of support just because I what I wanted to do was pretty crazy like I wanted to go back to China um you know meant leaving my boyfriend um it meant leaving my family and just doing something so like risky you know like and I so I was I was working that whole year just to make money to go um and then yeah I just I went back to China and I went back on a one-way ticket like Yeah. What were you expecting? You've only bought a one-way ticket. So I was expecting to go back to the Beijing school and to have the same training that I'd had, um, but it was very different. So this time uh, there was double the amount of foreign students. Um, the teachers were just so jaded because they accepted anyone. So there would be people who have never actually done acrobatics ever there, and then they're getting Chinese treatment. And so they hated it, you know, so they'd complain, they'd cry, they'd not, or they'd, they'd just not be putting in training. Like the first time I was there when you're with these, you know, these incredible artists who would, yeah, go off to have these, still have these world-class careers who would be doing eight hours of handstand training a day, you know, and then you've got these other people who are sort of like just doing it for a bit of fun, you know, and it was more of a social thing. So the teachers just did not want to train um they just didn't want to put the effort in because they're just like they already had such a um sort of preconceived um sort of you know judgment of foreigners that were lazy and sure. you know like entitled and it's like well we kind of were proving that yeah, exactly. um and then unfortunately my teacher for foot juggling I think I only had her two times a week for three hours and I was like I think I used to have her four times a week for a few hours but and then the contortion teacher was, she just did not care. She was busy with this. She had all these Chinese girls, like the little protégés, and she'd kind of come over to us and, like, push you on a stretch and then half an hour, you know, like, come back. And so I was just, like, I was there for six months. And it was social. There was a lot of foreigners and stuff. But I was just, like, had that feeling again that I was, like, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Like, I'm not pushing myself. This isn't yeah. – this still isn't it. Like – I wasn't progressing very fast with umbrellas either because I didn't have, um, you know, the teacher training. And at that mm-hmm. stage, you really need teacher, like you need direction. Um, so, yeah, I was just really unsure. Um, so I started looking to other options within China. And, of course, most Chinese schools do not accept foreigners because um, there's been a lot of, like, th- the Chinese method is, you know, <laughs> extreme. Yeah. It's brutal and and it's not legal, you know, like in most other countries, right. you know, like, so there was like a very no, famous, <laughs> there was a very famous documentary done a few years ago on the Shanghai Circus School and they let in foreign media and this, it became like almost like a human rights um, okay, so sort of thing. That's already public. What's, what are we talking? So that was ju- just abuse, just physical and emotional abuse. Yeah, just extreme. And it's just Chinese mentality. It's their way. Did you know this going? Oh, I'd seen a little bit of it in Beijing. Yeah, yeah I'd seen a little bit. Um, saw a lot. <laughs> My, the, <laughs> saw a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in the Beijing wow. school, you were pretty blinded from it because you were mainly with the foreigners. Right. Um, but so that's just mainly why the schools then don't really like having foreigners um, come in because they're like, no, you guys came in, you caused trouble. You're giving us a bad name for Chinese, like saving face is really important. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to be like publicly shamed or 
anything like that. Um, but I found one school that was a very small school, um, but it was in the uh, hometown of acrobatics. So where acrobatics was born 2000 years ago. Whoa. Like how mad is that? I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> like, you know, we're like, incredible. it's crazy. Um, so I caught a train down, which was terrifying because I still I had very, very basic Mandarin caught a train from I'd been in Beijing like this absolute you know like metropolis and then was like I cut off the train and I was in a farm village in China and I luckily had this incredible friend who was Australian and she went to um, university in in Taiwan so she spoke Mandarin Mm -hmm. so I had her on the phone the entire day and I got to the school and I walked in and I thought, oh, maybe it's like under construction. It was quite small. There was just rubble everywhere and things. It wasn't. <laughs> that, that was the school. <laughs> but and there's like sheep on the road and like it was just, it was insane. It was just the, such a contrast from Beijing. Um, and I had her on the phone the whole day and I'd be like, can you ask them if I can do this? And they were really skeptical. Like I'd done some videos of me training and they're like, <laughs> what is this and I was just like please can I come here I'll train really hard and they're like oh like we don't even have a room ready like there's this like old sort of like rundown room like and I'm like I don't care (laughs) just give me anything like I'll come um and yeah it was just I don't know I just I I I feel like I trust my gut a lot in life and there I was just like I'm meant to be here Oh, wow. I'm meant to be here. This is where I, and I, st- I remember standing out and there was this like oval that they're meant to like, you know, be running around and it was like overgrown. There was weeds everywhere. It was like this like derelict, you know, it was mad. And I was just standing there and was just like, I'm meant to be here. Like, this is where I, I'm, I'm coming back. Like I'm staying here. Um, yeah. And I got back on the train to Beijing and I packed up my things and I think I moved down three days later. And how long were you there for? 14 months. Amazing. And at what point did you did you feel like you really you were getting better? You were getting the hang of it. Was it the same as like the this you know this other place where you've had, got a teacher three or four days a week for a couple of hours? Like was it the same? So no. So that's why I wanted to go there. So there I had a teacher six days a week. Oh wow! Like probably like six to eight hours a day. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and so yeah how did you feel in terms of your progression so I went backwards instantly um because it was a slightly different teacher it was like over twice the training I had been doing um so and yeah you know just the physical fatigue um everything and then I went into winter and there was no heating so it was negative 18 degrees in the training room oh wow yeah so I would have these like little plug-in like hot bags, like unlike a hot water bottle that you plug in. And me and my teacher would just have two on rotation being plugged in and I'd have to put them inside. I'd be juggling with socks on my hands because my feet, my hands were so cold. Um, It was crazy. So then that, that then was so hard, you know, like your body was just, you're trying to foot juggle with your legs upside down and there is then numb. And that's when I started learning table. Um, And the, the table hitting my feet was like, you know, like when you get in the bath, when you're, you've got yeah. cold feet and you get in a hot bath, it was that, but like, bam, 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 bam. It's like, I used to come home and put my feet in a, um, in a bucket that was like hot water and uh, Hong Hua Yo's like uh, red flower oil. It's like a really hot, spicy, like oh, chili okay. oil that you use for your muscles. And I'd like fill a bucket with that in hot water and just sit there and be like, just cry. <laughs> like, I then have to do it the next day. Yeah. 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 
Wow. Yeah. Well, it paid off because of this <laughs> quote, Emma is the first performer in the world to combine umbrella and table juggling in the same act, a feat that even the Chinese told her would be impossible. Yes, they really did. They really emphasized that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So how did you have that conversation? I want to juggle tables. So... I, I, can you speak Mandarin at this stage? Like, no. Oh, so my Mandarin when I got there was like very, like, um, very basic. You know, I could like say I'm hungry, um, <laughs> say like, you know, yes, no, um, good, bad. Um, but then if they asked a question, I was like, well, I'm gone. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember trying to explain that I was vegetarian. <laughs> and they're like, but you eat chicken. It's like, no, pork. I'm like, no, lamb. No. I'm like, so my Chinese was very basic and so at the start they did not like me there as well um they just thought I was a joke they thought I was just fat and old and lazy and stupid um and I had to really earn their respect which is just part of Chinese culture and it's something that I respect from their culture as well like they don't just give you you know like it has to be like a two-way thing um so part of that was learning the language that the more I could communicate and the more that they saw that I was really making an effort um, to communicate, they would give me so much more attention and trust. And um, and then I had another one of my um, one of the other teachers who was in the room. Um, he would give me some like really important little cultural things sometimes because like you know the cult the, the culture is so different. So I made a lot of mistakes with offending people with different cultural yeah. mistakes. You know things that I would just never know. And oh gosh, um, giving gifts. Um, I gave, so I gave, I was in a training room with a group of girls and boys who were like the protégés of the schools. And um, my mum was amazing. She used to send over like packages of like coffee and chocolate and things. So I was like, oh, can you put some like bags of lollies in for the kids? Um, and then some like nice, nice New Zealand chocolate for the teachers. So I gave, you know, the girls and the boys their bag of like mixed lollies first and then I went to give the teachers their chocolate and I told them I was getting them so they were like oh so excited to try like New Zealand chocolate and they refused it they all were just like no no for the kids and the teachers the kids took it the teachers refused and I was like what have I done and like so one of them afterwards came and told me and he was like oh so you gave the kids theirs first and theirs was bigger and I was like no but theirs was one bag of lollies for like 12 kids and I'm giving you one block of chocolate per person so I was like oh my gosh so there was a lot of things like that where I offended people um my teacher would sometimes ignore me for days um quite early on I was training on a Saturday and I was having a really Saturdays were the worst you were so tired and you're like mentally physically I was a wreck and I'd have to do tricks she wouldn't let me get off my chair until I did 30 of a trick or something like this. And, you know, you'd get to 29 and then drop. She's like, okay, do it again. You know, it was brutal. And you'd be like shaking, cramped, crying. I used to be like, oh, it's easy to cry on a foot juggling chair because the tears just go straight down. They don't come down your face. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) yeah, you're like, I can just lay here and cry because it just like funnels down the side. But, um, yeah, there was one Saturday I was just a bit too – I was really angry at myself and I was dropping my umbrellas and I was probably being a little bit too forceful, you know, like grabbing them and pulling them back and just being a bit too, like I was angry at myself and I was just being like, and then I came in on Monday and my teacher ignored me. And usually she, I started with stretching and she'd usually come and stretch me physically. 
she didn't come and stretch me. And then I was meant to like move on to foot juggling and we had a real routine. And I was like, what have I done? She's like, you know what you've done. And I was just like, no, I really don't. Like, and she just carried it on for days um, to the point where I was at her knees, like begging and crying and being like, I'm an idiot. Like she used to call me most of the time. My name was idiot. Then done. So <laughs> I was just like, I'm an idiot. I'm a silly foreigner. I don't know what I've done. Like, please help me. Please teach me. Like, please teach her. And like, yeah, it took her like three days to be like, you hit your umbrellas. And she's like, if you hit your umbrellas, it's hitting your teacher. Oh, wow. And I was like, no. And I was like, no, no, no. I was angry at me. Like I wasn't angry at you. It was all, I was, you know, like that was completely about me. And yeah, she was just like, no, didn't accept it. So. (laughs) So what, what, at the end of the day, what helped? What? I just had to like, yeah, I mean, I begged. I literally begged for her forgiveness. Um, and then it was just me being really self-deprecating and being like, I'm the, I'm the idiot. I'm so stupid. I'm, it's because I'm a silly foreigner. Like, you know, I don't understand Chinese. Oh, (laughs) how much work do you then have to do on your, for yourself to get past that? Oh, I am still like, I'm kind of only just touching the surface of it now. I feel like, um, I had no awareness of mental health at all then like literally none we didn't talk about it no one talked about it you know um and when I look back now I'm like oh man I was fully emotionally abused by my teachers like pretty horrifically um they really built that trust and that full reliance until you were the only person like they were the only person to you that like mattered and she was my only person you know I had no one else so she could do the tiniest things and it would just destroy you, you know, like, um, and, and I was in full isolation. I had no, um, yeah, there's no other people my age. There's no foreigners, like there was no nothing. So, um, yeah, the actual isolation, like I lost my mind 100%. Like looking back now, I'm like, oh yeah, I used to like talk to myself in the mirror because I forgot I wouldn't hear English. Yeah. Like, yeah it was absolutely crazy I'm like sometimes I'm like my god imagine how I would have gone if I actually had the tools you know to like imagine if I had online counseling at the same time like imagine if I had a therapist that I could talk to on zoom like you know like because I just internalized it all like I just took it all on and I also couldn't talk to anyone about it like even years later it was like oh that was your decision though oh wow so, you know, like, and I think that was just the, yeah, I think also, like, people didn't really know the depths of what I'd gone through, like, and, like, the abuse I witnessed. Yeah, um, yeah and just, yeah, and just being, I, it was almost interesting when we went through the pandemic and people were in isolation and, you know, like, people been in their apartments for months on end and not seeing people. I was almost like, that is very similar to what I went through, you know, because we didn't have internet barely. So I would think I spoke to three friends in a year and a half. Whoa. Like you weren't messaging people. You weren't, there wasn't like to get on, like Facebook was the only way of contact and to get on Facebook, you had to have a VPN that worked and that would sometimes take an hour. And just as it would load, it would cut off. Like, so yeah, I've like barely, 
spoke to people. I would talk to my family. We'd try on Skype, but the connection was horrific. Like, you know, it was just so hard. So you could never really have a conversation. Um, yeah, that was like 14 months of that. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> wow. So then during this entire period, is there a point where you go, I'm, I'm getting better at this, I, staying here is the right decision or is, is there ever a point where you go, I need to get out? Yeah, so there definitely you'd have those small wins that would, would, would make it worth it, you know, that you'd just, and they were pretty um, few and far between, like because it was sort of with the progress of foot juggling, sometimes it would just take so long. Um, so... I would try and like celebrate those wins. Like, you know, if I got something just sort of like, because my teacher wouldn't, like it was just the way that like, you know, she'd tell me all the time how bad I was, how bad I was, how awful it was that, you know, and then as soon as I did something really good, her way of celebrating would be like, and you'd be like, yes, like that was the biggest, you know, she'd never be like, well done, you know? So it would be like those little things. If I got like a little look from her, I'd be like, oh my God, yes. Like, so that was like definitely yeah, the little wins in the skills um, is what kept me wanting to be there. Um, I definitely, I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever had moments where I was like, I actually want to leave. I never felt like I wanted to leave. I definitely felt like hopeless and, you know, like I felt lost and I felt, um, yeah, like at times, like, you know, it was all pointless. Like, you know, like I was never going to reach my dreams, you know, like why am I even doing this? Um, but for me, it was never an option to return to New Zealand. It was not even an option. Um, and I still have massive hangups with, I think I, I think I programmed myself then that if I returned to New Zealand, I was a failure. So I now still have that and I'm still working on that. And so that was actually quite hard being stuck in the pandemic in New Zealand, I did not live there. I've not lived there in 12 years, but because I was, I was living in Germany, but I got stuck there for the pandemic. And I still had this hang up of like, oh, I'm a failure because I'm in New Zealand. Like it means I haven't, you know, like, and I think that's just left over from then and me telling myself, I remember talking to like my mum at one stage was like, no one's keeping you there. Like you can leave if you want, like no one is forcing you there. And I was like, I know, but I am like, I'd, and I'd never really before this, I was never very um, hardworking. I was pretty entitled. Um, I didn't, you know, like put in extra work or I, you know, like I would love to find an excuse to get out of things. Really? Yes. But China <laughs> literally, that, no, but I was. And that's what I mean when I had that horrific performance yeah. before I went okay. back the second time was because I didn't even train for it. Right. I had a performance lined up and I didn't even train. I was just like, and I didn't I couldn't because I was doing a skill that you have to train (laughs) like you know so and that's what for me like being in in Wuchao in the village like changed me as a person completely like for the best yeah definitely some (laughs) definitely some issues but I feel like I would have got those you you would have gotten things wherever you were if I had never pursued my career as I have I would have grown up with regret yeah you know like and bitterness so it's like I feel like you would have had certain like demons no matter what you do so it's worth it completely 100% I would do it again wow so when you look back on it Mm. do you go 
this is how I would do it differently? Um, yeah. I mean, there's things, most of it's resources, actually. Yeah. Like for me, I didn't have any knowledge of body or conditioning. So I was quite injured, you know, just from silly things of like, you're still trying to do contortion. I had no core activation and things. So I'm like, oh God, I wish I had like a physio or someone who would be like, I went in there with like a program that I knew how to do TheraBand exercises. And like, you know, so it was like those little things and I'm like, oh, that would have been great. Obviously having mental health support would have been great, but it's almost those things are like, they weren't available at that time. So um, yeah, I'm like, I, I would have loved to have kept in contact with more people. Um, but again, that just wasn't available. So, you know, it's like, it would be so different if I went back now and did it, you'd have different resources. You'd have so much, it'd just be so different, but I don't know. I think the way I did it was the way it was meant to happen. And I made a lot of mistakes, but I think I like learned from that. Like, yeah. It's what you know at the time, right? Exactly. And you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So you said that you stayed there because you had a dream and you, you weren't there yet. Yeah. Do you feel like you've, you've reached that? Do you feel like you're living your dream? Um, I always, yeah, people always sort of go like, oh, you've made it. I'm like, no, I've never made it. Like, you know, like, yeah, I think because I'm never going to be like, I think I'm just, I'm, I'm very, very hard on myself. Um, so I'm never going to be like, oh, I finally like tick, done it. Like I worked nonstop in, in Europe for six years, you know, in some dream contracts, which like, was the dream I remember um for the new years so I'd only been in the village for two months um because I had Christmas there I had new years I had everything um I drew a Christmas tree and stuck it on my wall that was my Christmas (laughs) um and new years I remember sitting there and I made a video I think I had an old camcorder and I made this video that I actually lost because my laptop also died for a few months so I had no I lost a huge chunk of everything um and I made this video and I literally just talked into the camera for like an hour or something and was just like said all the like why am I here you know I'm like why am I here because I have the dream I'm going to work in Europe like I know this is ridiculous but I'm going to be on stage in Europe like you know and I was like this sounds so stupid saying it because I'm like who you know like who am I to work in Europe some you know like nobody from New Zealand you know like But it was such this, (laughs) but you know, like at the time, you know, you're like, it felt ridiculous, but I was like, no one else is ever going to see this. This is just for me. Why am I here? Like for the days that I'm so dark, I can look back on this and be like, why am I here? And it's funny. I I completely forgot about the video until like I'd been in Germany for a few years. And I was like, it was a new year's where we always performed on stage for New Year's. We always did like a champagne toast at midnight, you know, it was these big, beautiful shows. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Like, that's mad. Like, I'm like, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'll be like, not yet. You gotta work harder. <laughs> like, really? Is yes. that a constant thing that you always you're always? Right. And yep. when you say not yet, haven't made it yet. Yeah. Do you know what that even looks no. like? No. No. I don't I don't because um the company I'm working for now is a company I wanted to work for with for many years, you know, and I, I've got to work with them. Um, the contracts I did in Germany were absolute world-class that I'm, yeah, I would never have believed I would have gotten. Um, so, you know, it's not, I don't think it's like a contract. I don't think it's like a literal, once I do that job, I've made it. Um, 
I don't know. I guess the thing is I um, have made this my full-time career since, I mean, I've, I, I count my career since I've been like world-class, like an international level. Okay. Um, so that's, that was 2015. Okay. So since then, this has been my entire career. This has been like, I love it. People always ask like, do you have a day job? Is it financially stable? And you're like, well, anyone who's, the, who's very good at what they do gets paid for that. Yeah. You know, like if you're good at it, and like you're world class, my friend. <laughs> Apparently, well, I, I mean, how many of there are you who can juggle on their feet? There's, and- there's not many of us, which is actually really cool. <laughs> there's really not, um, and especially people who do it. There's a very like specific Russian and Italian sort of style, but people are doing it quite differently. There's, there's not, and it was actually very, very cool. Um, here in Adelaide, we had. Um, in Purple Rabbit, one of our other strut shows that I helped create last year, we've got Pipsa, who is a Finnish foot juggler, who is, again, top in the world. She is incredible. And I'm now so grateful to call her like a friend. Um, she's amazing. And then uh, Tara Boom is another absolute insane performer who's an incredible foot juggler. And there was one night in Adelaide that Tara came to visit and all three of us were standing there and we're like, you don't get this. Like, we don't meet other foot jugglers. And, you know, yeah, to I I the fact that I can put myself in their league is like I'm like oh my god I'm like <gasps> like fangirling but I'm like it's so insane, but yeah. exactly and that's the thing that I'm thinking is so cool that I'm like here's these colleagues who we're like it's so different if you were um, doing aerials or like hula hoops or handstands there could be thousands of world class you know like so it's like if you meet another person you're like oh cool you know you do the same thing but we're like. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, like Pipster and I did a photo shoot yesterday together for um one of the photographers here, and yeah, we were talking afterwards about like it was so we were like nerding out on foot juggling yeah. and like you know, and it's just it was so cool. But like, there's not many of us. Exactly. Like, and that's something that I'm also I think was a really smart decision I made when I was younger was to do something like this because if I had chosen something different, something um that there is a lot more performance. That just means that if you're putting your name forward for a a contract and they've got 200 hula hoopers or they've got one or two foot jugglers and what I I know that my act and what I do is so different to what other people do. I always try and incorporate my dance. I make every element of my act. I make the costume, make the shoes, make the props. So, you know, it's like I know that even though I might be up against a different, more technical foot juggler from Italy or Russia, what I do is very personal and it is different. And then the right show will see that and be like, yes, that's what we want, you know? So I feel like that's what has made me very hireable. Like, Actually, I was just about to ask, like, does mm. that mean you are constantly in work? Like, Yeah, uh, luckily. I mean, I put in a, I put in many, many, many years cool. of hard work. Um, I remember when I first got to Germany, my first ever contract, I – then I, I was just dropped into this new world where I didn't know anything. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the companies. I didn't know how anything worked. Mm. And then I learned from a lot of artists. I learned from directors and I made a website and I made business cards that after the show, I'd go out after the show and I'd talk to people and I'd give them my card. And um, I sent 470 emails wow. in a week and I got five replies and those all five replies were offers. And they, they were production company? They were, um, two of those were, um, international circus festivals which are really prestigious in our field it's like these like mini sort of like 
you have them in a, a few different places around the world and they're incredibly prestigious. It really is. It's, it's a, like a competition yeah. um, and you perform in front of a panel of judges and everyone who is there watching is directors, agents, casting, everything. So they're pretty terrifying. Um, but yeah, I got to do two of those. So I was the first New Zealander to represent the country, even though no one from New Zealand knew because I was too nervous to tell anyone. Because <laughs> so, I, was, I was by myself. My first one was in Spain and I went there and everyone's got their agent and their manager and they're this, wow. or their eighth generation circus performer and they're, all their cousins are there. And I walk in from New Zealand like, I did not know this is how it works. Like, so I was honestly so terrified. Um, I spent most of my day meditating. Yeah. <laughs> I literally just couldn't even breathe. So I would be like in my hotel room meditating before rehearsals and then be like, okay, I'm going to go like stand up and be like, oh, nope, panic attack. <laughs> like, wow. It was so scary. It was really scary, but um, just an incredible challenge, really, really yeah. incredible challenge and a good way for people to see you. Um, and then I got invited to Russia uh, a month or two later and I, I got to go to Russia and do another, another circus festival there. And, and yeah, very big prestigious shows and lots of media and yeah, it's very nerve wracking, um, but absolute high to get through that, you know, like, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> oh, it sounds so overwhelming, really. There, might, there would have been so many learning curves. Oh, so many. Yeah. So, and, and how do you take that? Because how old are you at this stage? So I'm 33 now. Oh, it's the first time I said that out loud. It was only a few days ago. I'm like, oh, she's oh, yes, Thank you. <laughs> and so when you're when you're in Spain, yeah. like how old are you then? I think I was about to turn 26. Wow. Yeah. So young. At that stage, do you go, okay, how, how are people doing it, taking notes? Yeah. You are? Yeah. So what's talking biggest, to everyone? Yeah. yeah. So what's been the biggest learning? Oh. Um, I mean, I'm sure there many. there's been a lot, um, learning from experiences, you know, I've made mistakes. I've, um, been taken advantage of in ways of like, um, what's asked of me in a contract. I've given way too much because I'm like, I was quite people pleasing right at the start because I was just like, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I didn't negotiate. You had that like condition. Yeah, exactly. China. Exactly. And I also didn't know how contracts work. I did not know how much the fee was that you should ask for. I didn't know any of that. I had just, this was a world I'd never known existed. So there were definitely things where I look back and I'm like, oh, I should have negotiated that contract. I should have said no um, to like, there was things, of course, I used to like do all the costumes, do this and then be like, oh, can you, we need you in this little, little act as well. You know, and I'd jump in it instead of being like, no, that's not in my contract. If you pay me more, I'll do it. So there was a few things like that, that I definitely learned from. Um, and then I just learned to also be honest with people, with my with my fellow performers. And, you know, you, you learned people that you could really trust and be like, right, can we be frank and can we talk about money? Yeah. You know, because otherwise you're going to go, we, you never want to undercut the industry. And if I go into a contract and I'm offered something way below, mm -hmm. you know, the going rate, but then I say yes to it, you know, you're just bringing that standard yes. down. So yeah. it's for the best of, of us as performers to, yeah. to also be open with each other and then we're gonna we're all gonna come out better for it so that was really helpful to just be like yeah 
just talk to people, learn from people. I was working with some of the most inspiring performers I could like, you know, people that I'm like, I have fangirled over you. Like I have watched you on YouTube. I've been following you even now still, you know, I'm working Angie, who's the aerialist in our show. I'm like, I've followed you for so many years on Instagram and I think you're amazing. Like, you know, like there's so many people and it's these people that you're like, especially if they went to, you know, these really prestigious circus schools or they've worked in these big companies. You're like, how does it work in a company like that? You know, just learning the ins and learning, you know, we've got so much to like learn from each other. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's such an interesting, I mean, it's not interesting. I mean, that's how it should be. Like, you know, we're all here to learn and yeah, each other. And yet sometimes, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming, you know, that performance industry, it's very, I mean, there's competitions as well. It can be really cutthroat and not so nice. Yeah. So how do you, how do you manage that? Um, I've definitely dealt with that in certain contracts. I've dealt with some, yeah, some pretty horrific sort of, um, I think it all stemmed from jealousy actually. Um, and so that was really cutthroat. That was really when you were like, people were watching you from the wings to make sure you, you know, if you made a mistake, they were going to go and, you know, tell on you and they'll, yeah. you know, like, um, and that all came from just like a deep insecurity of those performers. Mm. Um, but it was really hard to not take that personally. Mm. Um, and that also showed me that was a really good lesson working with people like that, actually. Before that, I was this like, I was very defensive when people would like, ask you know I'm like when are you gonna start your real job or like you know like when are you gonna get it's this little circus thing it's not gonna last forever and I'll be like I'm doing this until I'm in my 60s this is my career this is gonna be my life and like I was very strong about that I was very defensive um well it is offensive what yeah talking about it is career, exactly is and people are just like yeah exactly and then they're like well it's not gonna last forever is it and you're like oh Thanks, but um, but yeah, I worked with some artists who were very, very successful, had had incredible careers, were very famous, um, but it was the only thing they could do. And then they were very bitter about that, you know, because they knew they were coming to the end of their career. So they were just like, they were threatened by everyone coming up under them and they that bitterness just took over their personalities. And it was really like, I was like, wow like it nearly killed my spirit for the for the whole love of it as well because I was with this certain cast for 14 months so you know that that's a long time to have a toxic work environment and so it really did nearly sort of kill my love of it but it also made me think about who I am as a person outside of performing because I've now seen these people who who, it's their entire identity entire identity and it was like I don't want to do that. Like I've got one life, like, God, there's so much more to life. There's so much more to me as a person, you know, like I'm passionate about this. I love it. Um, I've worked really hard at it, but then I also like, yeah, I'm just like, you've got one life. Like, so it was a good lesson to learn. It was a hard one again, but it was, yeah, it was really important. <laughs> so you said you thought about it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know specifics. I definitely know um, sort of I've, I've spent a lot of time in the last few years um, being completely as far from performance as I can be. Um, I've spent time in Africa uh, working with uh, humanitarian organizations and AIDS organizations. Um, I also spent quite a few months in the Philippines and Thailand working with human trafficking um, and child sex slavery and um yeah, so that ignited an absolute um, another 
it sounds strange calling it a love, but it's like working in um, response trauma is is my another just it's where I feel really at home. Um, so luckily my silver lining of the pandemic was I got to spend two years working um, volunteering in trauma and palliative care. So, so yeah, I love it so much. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's a completely different, it could not be further from performing, um, but it's where I am most probably genuinely myself. Right. How, number one, how did you go, let's, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. And then in the middle of it all, how are you managing? I mean, because that's full on. Yeah. How? How are you? How? Um, So I I think I first, so the first time I went, um, the first time I sort of volunteered was in Africa. So I gave myself, I'd been working in Germany for five years straight. Mm -hmm. So that I finished a 14-month contract. The next day I caught a train. I started a five-month contract. The next day I caught a train. I lined them up. And then I was like, I need a break. I need to find out who I am outside of performing. So I spent a lot of time just being like, right, I'm going to give myself this break. I knew I had another contract. Um, So I gave myself three months and that was when I went to Africa and I did, um, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to, I knew I wanted to volunteer, but I didn't know specifically what area. And I didn't think I had the strength to work with people in need, you know, like I was like, that's heavy. So I actually did a few wildlife conservation um, sort of projects first, and then I did a um, did an, worked with a very very small ground roots um, AIDS organisation, and that just I was like this this is I need to be with people like, and the language didn't matter the um, the conditions you know I was working with people who were in the process of of dying from AIDS and. Um, you know, I wasn't medical, so I couldn't change the dressings, but I could be there to be a human support. You know, I could be there to look this person in the eyes and be like, you know, squeeze me, like let the yeah. pain out of me, you know, like yeah. um, exactly. And just be a person. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oof, like, so I did that. I went back to Germany um, and had a, a three month contract and it felt very strange going back. Um, almost like I was like, I had, why I would I, I stress a lot before I go on stage I get very nervous and so when I was in Africa I was like you cannot go back now and stress about like going on stage after everything you've seen like yeah. so I tried to like yeah exactly um I tried to sort of remember that um and then as soon as I came back I was like right where am I going next I need to you know like oh so I, I did more a lot of research um and I uh, found a really beautiful organization in Thailand that was working with um, human trafficking um, and border crossings. And then I also, so I applied for these like almost like internships. So I did a lot of like actual interviews and I had to write out my whole, um, you know, like my story, like I had to tell these people why I wanted to come to them, which was actually quite cathartic to like write it all down. Um, and then I ended up in the Philippines with a beautiful organization that was, um, I was actually in a, um, in a safe house for, for young female victims who had been uh, taken from um, positions of sexual abuse. Um, and so that was just incredible to just be living with the girls. Um, so there it was actually very interesting. Um, I never thought of crossing my two worlds 
everyone always goes, oh, you could teach circus and, you know, developing. I'm like, no, it's no. The whole point of me doing this is to show that I am, you know, to, to enjoy life outside of circus. That doesn't define me as a person. I could teach if I wanted to, but I don't want to. That's not like, that's not the only thing I can do. Um, but then I, I found a chameleon and I had a conversation with the, the founder and then she was like, we have a circus, we teach circus as a form of rehabilitation for these girls. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so it was actually really beautiful because I had a lot of room to to connect with the girls um, and it was just beautiful. So we really used circus and then I brought in more movement and music as a form of of rehabilitation um, and also expression, reconnecting with their bodies, their body, uh, bodily autonomy and trust with each other. Um, and it was just beautiful. It was really, it was really lovely to just be like, you know, empower these, these girls, give them just like a sense of ownership again. And just, and, you know, we were starting with, you know, it was, you know, some girls, it was like just after a few weeks to get them to actually come join, you know, was massive, was like absolutely incredible, you know, like to get them to walk from one corner of the room to the other with their head held high. Yeah, that was like the absolute like you know like it was incredible um so it was really it was it was just a yeah just incredible time spent with them like I just was like oh, and I'd um, shadowed quite a lot of the theater the um we had like psychologists and therapists and um outreach as well so I would spend a lot of time we were in a very very small village and then I would uh, visit some of the other villages and we would visit some of the other um, girls or like recent court cases and um, visit police and just talk through some other things and learn a lot about the culture and the yeah yeah so when um, you're not teaching them you know helping them move with their yeah. bodies what, what else are you doing so I was that was when I was doing that I was spending time with yeah I was going out on outreach programs um, and so we'd be going out we'd be making connections um, with like There'd be like ongoing court cases. So what you, um, what you, what's your role? I was literally just shadowing. Okay, I was just right, there because okay. I had no, yeah, or, yeah. I had no education in that sense. So I just asked. They were so the organisation was amazing. I just said to them like, "Look, this is an area I want to work in. Mm. Can I just be a part of it as much as possible to get experience, to witness things, to see if I'm okay with it to see it if you know, like yeah. so they were great once they sort of realized that they were just like, right, we're going to this, do you want to come? Um, and then I wrote a lot of um a lot of like almost like guidelines for future teachers and things like that. So I made a whole lot of like paperwork and stuff that they could look through and like just writing everything really sort of basic in the sense of of respect and you know, like asking for boundaries, you know, just like yeah. so I just made a lot of um sort of resources for them yeah. in the future. Um, and then a lot of time was just spent with the girls. Yeah. You know, like if someone wants to come play or someone wants to do some art or something, you know, like just um, learning from them and what they needed in that moment. I mean, you know, having that um, boundary and yeah. having healthy boundaries and, yeah, That's it was so incredible. It was a I lot. Mean, you said <laughs> that, you know, you don't, you're not defined by what you do. But what you do, like you've given a whole new meaning to what you do. Yeah. You help people, yeah. you know, in, in so many ways. That's yeah. so incredible. Yeah. Girl, you have made it. You're making a difference. 
Like you really are. Thank you. That's such, it's such incredible and important work. Yeah. And that's the part that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Like I'm like, like what's the future going to bring in that yeah. sense of like, I still love performing. Um, I never want to end it too soon because I think I'd hate to have that regret that you know that you're like oh I've only done a few more but I think I would be able to like that's what the balance I'm trying to figure out now is like how to prepare for that next step while still living this lifestyle and still performing because it's possible like it's totally possible yes it is it is it's just gonna be hard (laughs) you're really good at listening to your gut yeah hopefully yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah ever this has been so amazing what's looking back over your career what has been the most uh, memorable experience positively oh gosh oh that's so hard it's really really hard um oh there's just so many there's so many things like and for so many different reasons you know like um God, having my family come watch, you know, like my sister just came to Sydney and saw me in Blanc, yeah. and I was like, time? she'd never seen Blanc. Like she'd seen she'd oh, see me in right. she'd see me in Germany in 2016. Yeah, wow. Where I just did my you know thing. So having her come watch that was like incredible because she's been on my journey with me, you know, like. Um, but yeah, just any like. Oh, there's just so many things. I it's, I always get asked this question, and it's never like. This one performance, it's always like, I think for me, it would be like the places I've been able to work, Um, you know, being 150 kilometers north of the Arctic Circle doing a show for a small village in Finland, you know, and you're like, what? (laughs) What? What? (laughs) But you're like, there's a wolf outside? snow up to here and I'm like looking for the northern lights I'm like what is my life like and then I was on a cruise ship and there was an active volcano and we've just finished this amazing show with a company I wanted to work with forever a director I wanted to work with forever and we're drinking cocktails on the rooftop of a cruise ship and we're like that's an active volcano and we're in the Mediterranean what like you know you're like surreal there's so many of those moments that are just pinch me moments yeah. like I got to work in Venice for like multiple months and it was just like every day was a dream I was just so grateful, you know, like, and that's something I always, always strive to, like, I never want to forget, you know, I never want to take things for granted. I never want to be like, oh my gosh, I don't like this hotel room, meh, 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 like, you know, like get caught up in those little things. I'm like, I love going to work every single day. I get to travel the world. Like, this is insane, you know? So it's like just being grateful for those like little things, like, yeah. You're awesome. What is next? So we, we're recording right now. This is the last week of Fringe. Yes. So what's what's happening after this? So after Fringe, well, we've created a, a brand new world premiere show here. So we um, are now going to take it for a Newcastle season. So we've got, um, I think on the 27th, we open for five weeks in Newcastle. I'm going to disappear to Indonesia for a week before that to go scuba diving because nice. <laughs> that's my happy, that's like my happy place. So I'm like, I'm going to go do that. Um, yeah. And then we've got five weeks in Newcastle. And then at this stage, I'm not too sure what's after that. Um, there's a few different options talking to a few different people and different things. So yes. 
see, see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, there's like some exciting things. Awesome. So, yeah. Glad to hear it. <laughs> this has been amazing and I'm just so incredible what I've learned about you today. It's, you've <laughs> led the most incredible life and um, I'd love to know what you would tell someone who wants to perform, whether it is in circus or dance or aerial work, like whatever it is, what's your advice to them? Um, Take risks. Do the scary things. Move away from home. You know, like that's it those are the things that you know like if it's if it's in like you know that's a whole trust in your gut if that is something that is so in you and you know you want to do it and the thing that's stopping you is like it's a bit scary you know or you're gonna have to leave your native language (laughs) you know like or your your hometown or your friends or your family like those are the things that like that really like the biggest steps you take I feel like the bigger potential there is you know, like, so I would just, yeah, take a risk. You won't regret it. Amazing. Emma, <laughs> you've been awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me. No, thank you. It's been so good. That was the incredible Emma Phillips. If you want to follow her and her journey and where she's going to be performing next, make sure you follow her on Instagram. She has an incredible website as well. I will link all of those in the show notes for you to check her out and follow her journey and continue to support her. If you loved this episode, please share it with your friends. If you've seen the party, I'd love to hear from you and what you thought. And I know she would love to hear from you as well. So if you want to share this episode, maybe on your Instagram stories and tag us both in the Instagram story and tell us what you thought of it, that would be incredible. We really love connecting with you. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I would love it and appreciate it if you could leave a review and subscribe to the channel. Have an awesome day, week, month and year. Stay awesome. We'll catch you next time.